I was thinking about this the other day, and uh, I was telling Lauren about it because it was hilarious. But I wanted to know, before I say what mine is, I want to know, what's the worst prediction you two have ever had? Like, like you, you made a prediction about something, about some kind of service or software or like trend that was or wasn't going to take off. Do you have, do you guys have any of those like locked and loaded that you can remember where you're like, man, that was miss. I'm blanking. Yeah. Sam Selma. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know. I, I wish um, Jenny's not here because if she heard that, she'd be like, well, let me tell you all the mistakes <laughs> that Cody has made, but I'll I'll lead all I'll, I'll either just lead off with mine or just say what mine is and we just move on from there. But I think in like 2015, uh, QR code started really like becoming popular, and uh, I made a prediction that QR codes would die, that they would, people would stop using them because at the time you had to have a QR code app. Like phones didn't just have like you open your camera and you could just scan a QR code. And Cody and I worked at the same agency together. And it was at a time where we were putting QR codes on certain like mailers, but they weren't being used because, you know, very, very few people had actually QR codes on their, um, uh, on their device or QR code scanners. And then, um, I remember saying like, I think it's a fad. It's going to go away. It's going to die. And then COVID hit. And like, that's all everything it was. It was just QR codes. <laughs> I was like, like all menus and everything. Uh, and I don't think it caught on like they, like a lot of people would have thought though. Yeah, I, I think, um, I, th- I kind of hate them personally. But. Yeah, okay. I was about to say, I wasn't maybe the first one to say, but I was going to come out and say, I, when I go to a restaurant and they're like, oh, we don't have menus. Like I look around, like, where did that, what world is this? Yeah. I, like, I have to have my phone in order to know what I'm, what I can eat here. It's, I get why that was necessary for a while, but right, yeah, that's been three years now. Yeah, I don't prefer the QR code um, menu option either, but I feel like if I owned a restaurant, it would be the most affordable because I'd never have to like print physical copies of my menu. I would just, you know, update the file and say, "Yeah, there you go." <laughs> as long as you as long as you don't get anybody over seventy, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. All right, maybe we'll have like a age restriction on the restaurant. No. <laughs> <laughs> or we could just we could just say we don't offer senior citizen discounts and then boom no more no people over 70 that's gonna drive them away i'm not touching that <laughs> I, I realized like i came up with one though um and it was i really put my foot in my mouth with this one it was ai content writing i thought it was never gonna go we used jasper and i was just like look this isn't this isn't cutting it this isn't good enough then you know we, we've talked about it in the previous one too when chat tpt came out and I was just shook about how impressive it actually was. And then Bard came out later. And even though, I mean, in my opinion, Bard isn't as good as ChatGPT, still, um, I can't remember the guy, the guy that was second to Michael Phelps, but he basically, there he had a- Ryan Lochte. Yeah. He came out and said, like, I would be Michael Phelps if there wasn't a Michael Phelps, because Michael, he's just so exceptional when it comes to swimming. I felt, I feel the same way with ChatGPT. Where if Bard had come out first without G- Chat GPT coming out first, everybody would have been shook about how good Bard is because it is good. It's just not not nearly as good as Chat GPT. Is that's my take. I don't think people get the reference on the name either. Nah. Oh yeah, Bard. I don't mm-hmm. even know what a Bard is. Like not to insult <laughs> anybody, but yeah, yeah. Well, anybody who plays Dungeons and Dragons, maybe that's where absolutely <laughs> the reason that I knew. Which which is probably the entire development team on Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> that's one hundred percent the reason I knew it. 
All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll jump in. Um, today we have uh, Chris Walker here with us, um, who is the uh, founder and owner of Legit, uh, which we'll get into here uh, shortly. But um, uh, prior to having this episode, Chris, you met with us to talk about some some good topics. And while we were talking about those topics, we uncovered another topic that we wanted to cover for a while. And we were surprised at your positioning on it because it kind of serves you uh, to take the other the other approach. And that the whole position was that we find it super frustrating. At least at least I do, because I'm I'm usually the one engaging in the forums uh, on Facebook and just kind of online in general. And the most frustrating thing for me is when I always put this in quotes when agency owners don't know how to execute the services that they're offering. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they basically do, it's just, it's just basically like agency arbitrage. They just, they, they sell the service and then they pawn it off onto a contractor without knowing how to do the service, mm-hmm. or they will not only pawn off the the sales, then the prospecting portion of it, but they will also pawn off the, the services. So they aren't familiar with the industry. All they do is outsource their sales. And then they also aren't familiar with the services and they just outsource the services. And it drives me crazy because then when those people aren't successful, they end up creating a course on how to do that. And then they become successful. Right? And then you have people who are actually trying to be agency owners, taking those courses and wasting their money and doing all of that. So when we, when I mentioned that to you, it, it actually kind of surprised me that you had such uh, a strong feeling against it as well. You shared that same sentiment as us because from what I know from legit, you're a marketplace for basically freelancers to provide their services, not not just freelancers, but agencies and other um, you know people out there to provide their services um, either just like as you know one-off or recurring SEO services or other agency services or a place for agencies to find white label partners. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of like almost the perfect platform for these people to go and find, you know, these people to execute those services for them. Yeah. Well, it's just, there's a, well, there's a lot of reasons I feel that way. The first is I think it's just immoral to sell something to someone and not know what you're even selling them. That's someone's livelihood that you're taking into your hands. You know, not only the, the money that they're paying you, but like if you screw it up, that's their business you're screwing up. That's like somebody who may not eat that week. You know what I mean? Like that's not to be overly dramatic, but like you're literally taking food off of somebody's table by screwing up their business. You know, you can really do some serious damage if you don't know what you're doing. So that's the one reason. Not the sound that I sound all high and mighty about it, but to me, it's unethical to do that. And then the other reason is it just, it gives our whole industry a bad reputation because like how many times have you been talking to a prospect and it's uh, I worked with all these other pay agencies and they all sucked and they didn't get me any results. I mean, you, I guarantee you've both heard that like more times than you can count. Yep. And some of that, well, that's, I don't get off topic, but I was going to say <laughs> some of that on the client side too, but some of that, but that's what we, where a lot of that comes from. And the reason I feel that way is one, because it's correct that you shouldn't be selling something. You don't know what you're selling. You couldn't get away with that in almost any other industry, but also because like, it does, ben- like you say, it does benefit me to have people outsourcing, but I don't, I still don't want them buying a service where they don't know what they're buying either. Cause it ends up being bad for the platform and bad for the freelancer, bad for the customer, bad for the client. So even though they can buy those services from us, I still want people that to know what they're doing. It's one of the reasons we integrated like courses and stuff into the platform so we can actually teach people 
the right way to know what they're doing. But just because it's, I don't want somebody who, I mean, you're using quotes also, agency owners that don't, aren't really agencies that don't know what they're offering to someone to come to us to buy a service they don't understand and then make a promise to their client that they don't understand the promise they're making. Then when it doesn't work out the way that they thought it would, because they didn't know what they were doing in the first place, they blame the service, they blame the platform and it blames on. So I want people that know what they're doing to buy from us, buy from our talented freelancers, and then to use that for their customers. So, and you know, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but you're right. You mentioned courses that people that teach that stuff. There are some people that are very respected in our, I say our industry, in the marketing industry that teach absolutely that arbitrage model where you don't learn anything. Like Billy Jean sold a course a while back that was what I would do if I only had 30 days to start start over or whatever. And he sold probably like 100,000 of that course to the point where he was telling people to outsource to Upwork and gave them a script to post on Upwork to get freelancers to do what they needed to do to the point that Upwork started banning people that use that script because people can <laughs> so and then Upwork finally figured it out and like was apologizing to the people that they banned because they found out that some course was teaching them to do that. So that's how extreme this stuff can get. So I mean, I'm naming names on Billie Jean because I think that was complete garbage. So. Are you a Billie Jean hater too? I am. I'm I'm a self-proclaimed Billie Jean hater. Um, I don't I, know the man personally, so I don't want it to. Yeah, yeah I just in content um, related. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, again, I don't know him personally either. Um, and Cody will refuse to offer his opinion because he just doesn't know. <laughs> well, I guess you do kind of know Billie Jean, but I... I first, I, one of his YouTube ads. I think I Billie think, Jean's... I think I think he's a great marketer. I think I think he really is. I remember he went up on the second floor and he was like, "We're playing Xbox. This is cool." I'm like, "Ah, cool, okay." He's made some incredibly engaging ads, and he doesn't give a shit about the product at all. I've literally heard him tell his, his students that doesn't matter what your product is as long as you can sell it. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I don't mean to pick on one dude in particular because it's, it's obviously not just him. Yeah, there's been one of the most successful at pitching that model. We started with tons of people that have no business in this business. Yeah. We, uh, we've, we've done, we, we can do this and talk about it. And then at the same time, plug, Hey, Billy Jean, if you're listening, let's talk. Come on the like, show. Come on the show, please. <laughs> that would be great. I, we would love it. It would be awesome. If that, help, if that happens, I get a finder's fee. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. For whatever, whatever products we sell in this podcast, which is nothing. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I started, I wanted to start this podcast because of um those gurus out there teaching those things and um it was just very frustrating for me but i am a big follower of coffeezilla on youtube and like now coffeezilla just exposes like crypto scams which i don't really follow much anymore because i'm not a crypto fan but he used to expose like gurus online and that's what i really loved and there was this whole debate and that he had with with billy jean and Billy Jean just acted like a complete asshat on it. And I was like, well, whatever I respect I had for you, is it gone? Yeah. Um, Chris is making faces about CoffeeZilla, so I want to see if he's got a hot take. <laughs> I think he's just as bad as they are, personally. Mm. Okay. But he doesn't sell anything. Mm, yeah, he sells himself. But like, he yeah, has no I mean, qualifications I mean, to judge other people's businesses either. So, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Oh, uh, so Cody's got commissions. I... I think the listeners need to, before we get any further too, can you just give a, a full elevator pitch of legit so people know what legit is, what, what people can do there or else I think they're going to get confused as to anything else we talk about. <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, it's legit with two eyes. Cause I don't, this is audio, so I don't know if they're going to see that, but, um, originally it started at just a marketplace for 
SEO and other marketing services. And I absolutely hate when people say it's like Fiverr, but conceptually it helps people understand that that's how it works. It's evolved beyond that. And by the time that, I don't know when this is going to release, but by the time you do that, by the time it comes out, it's going to look a little different, but it's uh, we have higher end services. We have higher end freelancers and we've built in software into the platform. And our goal is to connect businesses to the platform, to give them information they need to improve their business and then find talent that can talented freelancers. I hate when people call it talent, call them talent, but talented freelancers to fulfill those services. So if you look at it right now, you're just going to see a marketplace that look, I know I shouldn't say just, you're going to see a marketplace that looks where you can buy and sell services. You usually focus toward businesses. We don't have the fiber stuff where you can get like a guy that dresses like Jesus and says your name or whatever, <laughs> but no, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just not, <laughs> but we focus on businesses and we have a lot of marketing and that type of services. We have higher end services. We have more talented people and we can help businesses grow. So if you are some of our biggest clients are agencies, which is why you found it odd that I took the position I took, but agencies tend to outsource their entire business to us or their SEO to us or whatever. And then we can help with that. So, and like I said, we are building in software and more tools into the platform. And that's why I'm using the term platform instead of marketplace, because that's the direction that we're going. So, okay. That so wasn't too, too involved. No, that's good. That's good. Um, my only follow-up question was then, you know, again, comparisons aren't fun, but I think it helps explain to people why they might want to go to you instead of those other ones. So you're talking about um, less of a marketplace. So compare yourself to Upwork then and that sort of vibe. What are some of the big differences? Well, with Upwork, you it's the freelancer selling themselves, right? Like you, you go and bid on jobs where this is more of a productized services, at least the marketplace component of the platform is productized services where you can go and purchase a service to get something done. We also have recurring services and white label services and things like that. So that's a different model than Upwork. It's mm -hmm. kind of the opposite way. We actually had a feature for a while that was similar to the way Upwork did where a, a client could post a, uh, I need a, somebody to do X, Y, Z type of thing. And it just never caught on with our, with our customers for some reason. So we discontinued that. And they, we found that people tend to prefer to use either our support or our Facebook group or something like that to uh to find when they when they can't find what they need in the marketplace so that's the difference is that instead of you listing a thing that you need you go and look for a thing that's there yeah that's the comparison i was going to make so yeah like basically uh, just to reiterate what what you just said if you know people don't look for um they don't post what they need and then someone tries to go and find it and and bid for it it's uh the people already have what's posted on the site and then i as uh, someone who needs the service done goes and looks for it yeah. and the, the productized service yeah now having said that we have options for people that can't find what they need uh we, like i said we have software where if you can plug in your website and your business it will use our ai to find things that can help you do what you can do if you maybe you didn't find it or we also do a concierge type of thing where if you message us we'll find somebody that can do it for you that means the legit platform has to have its own search algorithm in it, which means uh, individual freelancers or business owners, or as you put, talented, um, what talented freelancers will have to optimize their profile and product to a certain capacity. Is that correct? It is. I, I teach freelancers not to focus on that as much as building out proper branding and sales copy and graphics and design and making treating it like it's, I don't want to say a blog, but like a website of their own. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's, but it does have a search algorithm and I'm not going to reveal how that works because 
not, not, any not even to our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's important. One of the, the you know one of the things I do t- teach people is that about the algorithm is that the more likely someone is to buy your service when they land on it, the more likely it is to show up. I know that's kind of vague, but I can't really. If I get in, if I give it away, then it's going to wreck the way it way it all works. Sure. So you you sound like you know what you're talking about, and I'm not saying that in a, in a, in a I mean that in the best of ways. And the reason I'm saying is because how how did you get to this point? When did you even first get into this scene? Like, what's the how did you first get into digital marketing? Period. Right. Okay. It's funny that you ask because yesterday I like I like to look at like Facebook memories and I think it's kind of like the 21st century version of like a journal and yesterday it popped up that was seven. I know what most are talking about because I saw it too and I think I liked it. Yeah, it's seven years since I gave my notice at my last day job, so it's funny the how the timing on that worked out. So, but uh, basically, I was in I was working as a tech support and like a real estate developer. And by the way, if any of them listen to this, I have, it always comes off like I hate that job, hated them. And hate, it's not that. It was nothing against that. I just wasn't happy there. I feel bad whenever I talk bad about that job because it's good people. It just it wasn't for me. So anyway, mm. um, but I was very, I was miserable. I didn't like what I was doing and I wasn't making the kind of money I wanted to make. And I wasn't a good employee to them because I would spend most of my time just screwing around on the internet doing other things. And one of the days when I was screwing around on the internet, not doing my job, I found this old blog post from, there used to be like a wrestling website that talked about, that the owner was talked about, he quit doing the website and now he was doing something called affiliate marketing all the time and making his living doing that. And I'd never heard of that before, but that sounded pretty awesome. So I started researching that and I found the Warrior Forum. Are you familiar with that? Yep. Okay. And and uh, I bought a bunch of little courses off of that and that did okay. And I did, did some odd things where I would like, sell stuff from Amazon on eBay and just mark it up and like drop shipping and take a little, just kept middling at the edges. And then I bought a course on affiliate marketing and that took off for me. I mean, it started making, got it up to where I was making, you know, four, three, four hundred, five hundred bucks a month, which was life-changing money for me at the time. Was this and organic then, or paid too? And then, it's funny you say that. It was, it was organic. I didn't even know what I was doing it was called SEO. I thought it was called affiliate marketing. And I, even though I was making stuff show up in Google, I had no idea that that was the goal. <laughs> but it worked and I, you know, I was making some money and then the, whatever, whatever Google update was that it came out in October of that year, I think it was 2013. It's like penguin 2.0 or something. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. absolutely obliterated the few sites that I had built and I had no idea what an algorithm even was at that point. But well, anyway, back, that was back to the drawing board. So I started doing other things and eventually bought a $997 course. It's funny that we started by dunking on courses and I'm talking about how courses were like the turning points for me, but I bought a course called Source Phoenix, uh, which was from Alex Becker. I saw I saw you tagged him, and I was like, "This guy's connected to Alex Becker." What? Yeah, you're going to be more later in the story about that. <laughs> All right. um, but that was so expensive of a course that I figured I have to make this work now because that was a lot of money to me at the time. Still is, you know, a thousand bucks is a thousand bucks. But you know, from there, I learned some affiliate marketing. But I also that was the first time I started thinking about taking on clients as an SEO, as an like an quote unquote agency, even though most people that call themselves agencies are really just freelancers. And I certainly was at that point. Uh, but I started learning how to do that. I would do like cold email and things like that. And like when I would get somebody that wanted to, well, that was interested. And again, I was doing this at my day job and not doing my day job at all. I imagine why you left. Yeah. <laughs> and when I would get a call, I would literally like have to go to the bathroom to like take that call so I wouldn't get in trouble. For like trying to generate, I, I did this exactly. I did the same thing uh, like three years ago at my last job when we first started Evergrow. Yep. 
And from there, it just kind of snowballed a little bit. You know, I got enough from that and to in affiliate marketing to have a decent amount of online income coming in, but it wasn't quite enough to quit my job yet. So when Alex Becker started a, a marketplace, I'm not going to name it because it doesn't exist anymore and kind of, you know, competitor, the thing that took its place, but uh, he, he started that and I was like, well, let me just throw up a service there. And I just, at that point I was just reselling a service from fiber and I got like an order from that and then an order and an order and an order and it kept stacking. And by soon I was like the number one freelancer on that platform selling SEO services and doing really well. And then I met him through that and got some promotion from him and one of his partners. And that made it blow up even more. And I was doing really, really well there. And I was finally able to quit my job between the agency and the freelancing on that platform. Well, how old were you at that time? Uh, in my thirties. Okay. I'm f- going to be 45 in a couple of weeks. Cool. So I was in my late 30. Context for people who are comparing themselves, right? <laughs> you don't look, you don't look, you don't look 45. I saw on your, um, <laughs> yeah, you look 55. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> other way. No, I, I was, you, you did a promotional video on Facebook and like the opening shot was you walking away, like walking towards or walking away. I was like, that guy has some big calves. <laughs> like, dude, you do a lot of calf raises. <laughs> Actually, I've never done one. What? I do genetically blessed. I do that and I do walking and I do martial arts and that's kind of where it comes from. I get that comment all the time. <laughs> the specific opening shot to, to for that hook. But anyway, uh, that platform eventually started having all sorts of problems and it was getting hacked. It was crashing, whatever. And I was to skip to the end of the page at this point. But basically, I was lucky enough to have met a developer through as a customer through that platform who I told what was going on. And at first, I started selling through my own site. And then some of the freelancers from that site were like, can I sell through your site too? And I was like, I'm, I might be on to something here. And uh, we, I create, we created Legit. That was just going to be another product for my SEO business, but then it like did so well and it took on like a life of its own and now it's like consumes my whole life. So that's kind of the whole history. So, uh, technically what would you say your strengths are? Cause you covered a lot there, like of mm-hmm. logistics, if people are going to be doing those things, because you can do it as much or as little <laughs> as, as you want with all those things that you said. So what would you say are like the things that you personally specialize in a, in a tactical sense? Well, I, honestly, at this point, most of my time is spent motivating and optimizing my team. So the people that work with me, and I, I, I use that language very specifically because I don't, even though technically they work for me, I don't like to think of them as working for me. I like to think of them as working with me. I know that sounds whatever, but it's an important distinction, I think. Uh, so that's probably what I'm best at now is getting the most out of other people. But as far as like technical skills, I'm pretty good at sales, but I, you know, I think the actual marketing of myself is probably what I'm best at. So I know that sounds kind of pompous, but like, you know, growing my three brands by, you know, superstar SEO legit and my own self, my own personal brand is probably what I'm best at. And I teach in, you know, when I had courses, I teach people that want to do agencies, what I call the celebrity method, where that's uh, making content and kind of building yourself up as a celebrity in the industry. So people come to you and that's been for, for the agency folks listening, that's been the most effective method for me for getting clients is actually getting people to come to me. One of the reasons that works is most, at least in my experience, most agency owners are super introverted and would never do anything, even like what you guys are doing here with a podcast or anything. They're horrified at the, the concept of like <laughs> content, but it's well, absolutely the fact that it's like that when the, for the people that are able to do it gives them a huge advantage. So you asked me what I'm best at. I think marketing my myself is probably like, what I'm best at. And I say it that way because I don't 
I couldn't necessarily take on somebody's like, I don't know, cheese shop or something and market that effectively because I haven't done a lot of that. I can do SEO for it, but marketing myself is probably what I'm best at. And I think if you're asking me that, that because what I think people in the reason you're asking me that is to tell people what they should focus on. I think it's that is learning how to sell your business and yourself to other people. You said, do you like cheese? Hey, that's an inside joke. My, uh, my business partner and I've never really have like an example. We having to give like an example of a business that, you know, for whatever purpose that we're talking about, it's always a cheese shop. I don't know how. Oh. It. <laughs> I, I just, have, I've never heard like something that specific, like cheese shop. And I was like, this guy <laughs> no, loves no. cheese. I don't, I don't know how that started, but that's always the example. Well, I just, I, Cody, Cody, in, in that, uh, what you said, Cody is actually the introvert of this agency. So we each had our own thing. And then we decided to partner up because I was really good at clients, but I sucked at ads. And Cody was really great at ads, but he, what he, he was, isn't the best with clients. Um, and, and so uh, we kind of formed this kind of superhero team of our agency. But like you said, most agency owners are pretty introverted and your celebrity method, that's almost like very similar to what Gary V uh, kind of uh, preached back when I started in 2017. So like, I get a lot of how I went to market based off of how, what Gary V taught in his book, Crush It and Crushing It. Yeah. Um, I I find Gary V like today really cringy, but like Gary V like back in the old days, like I really enjoyed that content. And I tell people all the time, like if you, uh, we haven't, we've, we haven't run a single ad to get a client before. Like we don't spend money on paid ads. Everything is organic. Every client comes to us. That's not true. You guys have saying that we ran YouTube ads for like a minute for like, so it, it happened. But we, I don't <laughs> know, we spend less than 200 the, bucks. I can't remember the, the, exact the primary reason we did that was to see one, if it would work just as a, just as a, a, a test. And then two, I wanted to keep it running for as long as we did, because I wanted to see who people engage with more because we did a version of me and a version of Cody. Yep. And who won? Uh, it's hard to say. So I would, I would give the win to Cody, <laughs> honestly, because he had like just the engagement rate was higher, but people watched my video longer. So, and my trick, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. Well, so in the backgrounds too, like Jake, you see his background now where it's kind of cool and he's doing all these things and stuff and it looks sexy. And the mine was like a white wall. Right? <laughs> I like the, the, the public bathroom, right? Like, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been through all those phases too, because I, for a long time, had nothing but a white wall back here until I got the toy collection built. Up. Yeah. I get, I get distracted by all of your Joker Funko Pops. <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, that's a hobby I picked up a little over a year ago. And it makes for a good video background. Yeah, I've always I thought about doing that for some stuff, but um, there is in the center right here on this wall that is a, a uh, the first edition, first print of uh, New Mutants '98, uh, which is the very first appearance of Deadpool, and it is signed and CGC graded uh, by Rob Liefeld, creator of Deadpool. Nice. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not graded by Rob Liefeld. It's no, just signed <laughs> for the listeners. Yeah, he's the one that left and went to Image Comics. You know more about him than I do. I can tell. <laughs> I just created Deadpool. There's been a, there's been a lot of Deadpool copies out there that are stand that are signed by Stan Lee, and I'm just like, why? Why? <laughs> you wasted a signature. It could have gone on something else. But uh, before we get away from it, you mentioned getting ads, using ads to get clients. What one of the most successful like client building things I did was one ad where I made a blog post on how to rank in Google Maps and I turned it into a PDF and used Fiverr because legit didn't exist yet. 
to get like a book cover, like a book cover made and just ran that and adds to that. And it ran for like four years and I probably got me 200,000 email addresses. And that's when been one of the most effective ads I've run. And, my, and it would mean it helped me organically too, ironically, because people would go and like research me and so on. And the only reason mm-hmm. I stopped running it is because the stuff in the ebook was not accurate anymore. Yeah. 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 We, um, we thought about running ads because uh, again, I'm not counting this YouTube thing. So Cody, you can say what you want to say, but I'm not going to count it. It's just being <laughs> technical. <laughs> All right. Well, we can put that disclaimer every time I mention it, but we, we can't run ads because we can't handle the volume. Like we shut our doors to new clients in April and we aren't picking back up until September because of our, our internal labor capacity. And we've talked about that in the, on this podcast before, but, uh, we're already scheduled to like double, if not triple our size versus last year. So you can only grow so much before you start breaking things and we don't want to break things. But so Chris, uh, could you, could you give, I'd like to know a duration of time so that people understand you know what you're talking about, but how long did it take you to get there? And then at which points did you stop a particular section and then move on to the next thing? Because what you've described is I've been like over a decade, what I described. And so, okay. yeah, I, um, I like first started dabbling around 2013 and I quit my job in 2016. So those are kind of the big first couple big milestones. Uh, from there, I did well from 2016 to 2018 and then 2018 is when legit launched and then legit really really took off as bad as it sounds when the pandemic hit uh we we've thought about um like really like doing some coursework some actual in-depth coursework that's at an affordable price because the course stuff takes off during the pan like during recessions and times of pandemic when people can't you know are displaced or trying to do things on their own and we're potentially headed into a recession um, now, I mean, yeah, I, you, you, your look that you gave is the, s- the same one that I'm giving. Um, I mean, as a new homeowner who has a very high interest rate, I kind of hope we go under a recession so I can refinance. Um, but I, I understand the implications for other people who are as fortunate as me. Um, but, uh, I like hearing that it took a decade and I, I just want <laughs> that. Like, I want people well, I, to hear it. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's misleading, a little misleading too. Like I had six. The first time I would say I really had success was after three years. That was when the agency and the affiliate and the freelancing were all generating me as much or more than my job was. So that that's the milestone I would say. That's a that's a really cool concept because there's a thousand day thing from the guys at Tropical MBA. Yeah, they push a thousand days. I generally agree with it too. I think it takes generally three years to get to you know. Yeah. Like, well, especially if it happens faster than that, and the the appreciation and the maturity of it don't come along with it. Because I know people that do the coaches, the coach, coaches, the coach, coaches thing, and are you know they're making hundred thousand a month in three six months sometimes, and then they just I don't know. To me, that then dies. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not sustainable. Like you can or really, I mean, it's, it's scalable. I always say that it's um there's a difference between a slow burning can or like a slow burning candle and like a, a stick of dynamite, like. One of those is going to end a lot sooner, and um, I kind of feel like the 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 coaching to coach coaches to coach coaches is like very much like the stick of dynamite. You're going to light it; it's going to get huge, and then nothing. It's it's very akin to like the people who like develop a product and then they don't build a brand off of that. They just try to sell the product and then just ride that until no one wants it anymore. The coaching thing sounds exhausting too. You have to have that be your entire model because you have to constantly fill it. You know what I mean? Because like, if you sell a twelve thousand dollar coaching program and that's 
great, that's 12 grand. That person's never going to buy anything from you ever again. So you're ha having to constantly get new people in and get, get money out of them. And then it's just kind of a churn and burn. So, and then, you know, if you actually care about doing well, like giving them a good product, that's a whole other stress. Like when somebody pays you that much money, you should feel obligated to do give them life-changing results. Most of them don't, but yeah. Even if you go the scalable course route, eventually your courses have to get updated, which means you have to stay an expert in the field to know how to, how and when to update those. Otherwise, I had, and I think I kind of lost over that, but I had a course that we, an SEO course that we did for five years that I recently, it's not it's like, I'm still updating it for the people there, but I'm not selling it anymore. And that was part of the reason. Well, both of those things were part of the reason is that I don't do as much SEO these days because I focus mostly on being CEO and legit, but also because again, you constantly have to, to make it profitable. You constantly have to keep people in it. And it's just, it's, it's really not as profitable as people think it is, unless that's your entire thing. You know, like mm -hmm. train obviously does very well with courses and mm -hmm. things like that. But I don't know. I, to me, it was an exhausting model. And because I feel an obligation to do it, do right by the people that buy it, I don't find it to be time. That's the, that's the thing though, is that like, as soon as you feel an obligation to do right by the people who buy your course, then it's no longer like the money making machine that um, people like Dan Locke or Billy Jean pump out because you now have a, you have a conscience and you have to say like, I want my course takers to be successful, not just for my own pocketbook, but because I actually want them to be successful when they take my course. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest differentiator. Um, but I wanted to ask a question, Cody, do you have something else that you wanted to piggyback off of or are you switching gears? Yeah, it could be the same one. So mm -hmm. I see it was a broad one. And I just wanted to say, because you have so much extensive experience, like if you want to, if you were to give veteran advice to these people who are just getting into this about actually delivering on the services that they're offering, uh, and not selling things they don't know how to do, what would you say to them? So I, when I say that you should know what you're doing before you sell it, there's a risk of going too far the other way too and getting like spending so much time learning the skill that you never make any money. So learn at least enough that you can speak with, if not expertise, at least competence to someone and that you can grade the work that someone you outsource to does as well. So I think learn it well enough to do that. And then remember that even though, you know, your job is, it, let's just say SEO, but whatever marketing you're selling in your agency, your job is to do that, but you're also, your job is to yourself. So you need to make sure that, that you are constantly selling and keeping the pipeline full. You guys are in a great position where you have too much, but most people, I, for example, I have an agency owner Facebook group that's tied to legit that I kind of let go and kind of have been reigniting a little bit. And I ask people what they need help with. And every single one of them said, getting clients. So you need to focus on getting clients for your agency and learning how to sell and learning how to market yourself, trying all the different ways to go about it and figure out which one works best for you and learn, learn to sell. And the other one I would say is to keep your personal expenses as low as possible for as long as possible, uh, because the more you can reinvest in your business, the better off you are. Like until like 2018, I was paying like 700 bucks a month in rent and had a car that was paid off and I was making, you know, and I don't like sharing revenue numbers, but very good money. And people were like, well, if you're doing so well, why do you still do that? I was like, because I don't care. Like, I don't need, you know, all this other stuff. I don't have a family. I don't need a big house, you know? So keep your personal expenses as low. It doesn't mean you don't have, you, have, you know, it doesn't mean you have to look like a pauper, but 
you don't also don't have to go buy a Lambo because you had you you closed a hundred dollar a hundred thousand dollar month. You know what I mean? So I guess those would be the two things. Learn what you need to do well enough to vet the people that, that you are going to outsource to, as well as speak intelligently to the clients that you're going to be working with. But don't get so good at it that you spend all your time doing it and not any time selling it. Because if you rank a site that doesn't pay any money, you're still a broke. But you know, at the same time, keep your personal expenses low. Those would probably be the two things. What uh, you mentioned that, like you know, keep uh, keep your personal finances finances as low as possible so you can reinvest in the business. Mm-hmm. What are we've com- we've covered this topic before earlier in the podcast too, and we're we're huge proponents of using free tools forever until like you absolutely need to use a paid tool. And because like you, you even like you look at tools like Semrush and Ahrefs and you know Moz or whatever, and those are great. But you can do all of that with Google Search Console and Keyword Planner and actual free tools out there, even like Screaming Frog. So my question to you would be: What are some of the things you should invest in? What are some of the first things you should invest in when you're ready to actually invest and put money into your business? Probably fulfillment. To be honest, if uh, do as much of it as you can yourself, but there's not enough hours in the day to sell and market and fulfill everything yourself. So probably fulfillment would be the answer. And onto that, if I had that and, and, and marketing as well. Mm-hmm. So, so, and just so you, cause you gave me an opening. I'm going to have to take it here. You, uh, <laughs> you mentioned the free tools. We have a free tool, right? Built into legit that you can connect your site to and get all that Google search console, Google analytics, all that connected right to it. So you can only open the one place. What's it called? How do I find legit, it? Legit. Get more stuff done dashboard. So if you just click on dashboard on legit, it'll take you there to you. By the time this airs, the entire site will be built. Sweet. So hopefully. That's cool. So so then I would assume that you're you're saying that if you invest in fulfillment as as the first thing, then your job uh, as a CEO or the owner, agency owner, whatever you're calling yourself, mm-hmm. you're primarily spending the most of your time uh, prospecting and trying to find and add clients for those people to fulfill. Yeah. We said that we both of us are very uh you know you myself and cody are very strong proponents of inbound organic which is a lot of the reason why you preach that your your celebrity method mm-hmm. um but you had also mentioned earlier that you know whatever works for you and a lot a lot of what people are doing are the cold emails just like sending cold emails after cold emails i i personally hate it and i refuse to do it but it does work for some people mm-hmm. It I was in cu- the okay. So since it worked for you in the beginning, I was curious to know what your average cold email conversion rate was on like actually getting somebody to respond to you in a positive way that got you some kind of appointment. You are giving me too much credit for tracking my metrics. <laughs> if you had to get, if make you had it up, get, make it up. What I was when I was doing that nonstop, I would at least get one conversation per day out of. I, I really don't. I can't can't give an intelligent answer, but at least a few hundred. So. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So like uh, less than 1%. And I mean, you had, you had to send a lot, like it wasn't, it wasn't, I'm going to send 10 emails a day and then get, you know, someone to respond. It's not, but once I got away from that spray and pray model of cold email and went to a much more focused one, it got better. The conversion rate got better. Again, I don't track it. So I don't have numbers, but I mean, I don't do it anymore, but I didn't track it. So I don't have numbers, but like one example that I like to use was I would go to like page two and find people whose like meta title was messed up and say, you know, if you put move your keyword here in your meta title to the front of it, you're on get like number position number 13 now, mm. and that'll move you up to position, you know, whatever, 10, that'll get you to the first page. Just doing that one little change, do it yourself. Good luck with that. 
if you need, if you have any questions, let me know. That worked like a boss for me. I would literally like take a screenshot and like circle it in red and send it to them. That worked really, really well. Whether that still works or not, I don't know. It's been years, but it's probably going to get cut into a short <laughs> and promoted because that was <laughs> that was gold. I used to do that when I first started Evergrow. I used to do that with Google business profiles back when it was called Google My Business in 2017. And th- I mean, this is the whole reason why I started Evergrow is because that was back when Google told you if a business hadn't claimed their profile yet, it would just say, do you own this business? And it says that now for everyone. But back then, it only said it for the ones who didn't have their profile claimed. So then I would go and see who didn't have their, their profile claimed and I would call that business. That was the plan. I've, I've, I've mentioned this in previous episodes. I didn't end up actually doing that because I reached out to churches first to do it for free to understand the process of doing it so I did not look like a jackass when I actually reached out to an actual company. Um, so it, I it, in very similar tactics, just different yeah. things. Um, so I, yeah, I really like that. And the thing with that is you can't do, do nearly as many of those a day, but they're right. more appreciated. And the real key there is one of the lessons in my course on like getting uh, clients was it was titled no one cares about you and the reason that i call it that is because when people want do cold email their first inclination is to go hi i'm jake i am from evergrow and my i am an seo expert who can get you to as like by that point they've already closed the email because no one cares about you you need when you start you need to immediately start talking about what you can do that's valuable to them because you have less than three seconds probably to get their attention and no one cares about your background you can put that in at the bottom but you, that's you know, no one cares about you should start with the, not only the problem, but the problem, how you can solve the problem that they have within the first sentence or you're going to lose them. Mm-hmm. So, and plus I just oh, think yeah. that the catchy title, no one cares about you. <laughs> That's good. It's punchy. Uh, I, I, I think, uh, Cody, you're just going on the list of your, I heard you, I think everybody heard you typing there. What were you typing? I'm curious. Talk about me. Yeah. What I wrote. Uh, okay. Can I keep going? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay, because this is this is the next part that I wanted to go into too. I, I wasn't. I always look at Jake when I'm like, "How are we doing on time?" Because he's the one who's going to cut and edit this and make sure. So I look at him and see what his face is like before I start asking heavier questions. Um, because this is a question we can't ask everybody. Uh, it, it's pretty advanced and leading. So when we talked before this, we talked about team structure. So uh, confirming a few things as we go. Can you say how big? generally your team is right now yeah i i can answer that it's misleading because legit requires a lot of infrastructure and it's not things that most people are gonna need but it takes about 40 people to keep it all running you know give or take now some of them some of them are contractors that work for us full-time so it's kind of a gray area if they're an employee or not you know what i mean but yeah it takes 30 to 40 people to keep the whole thing running that's developers designers support uh marketing um executives, um, whatever else I'm not thinking of. Sure. One thing I'm very proud of is that we have more support people than we do sales or marketing people. You know, and I think that that's one of the reasons we have a good reputation. Our support is you know, top notch. Cool. So um, that's where I want to keep going with it too is, uh, so you said a lot of them are contractors working full-time too. And that's, can you say how many are employees? Basically, if they're American, they work for us as full-time employees. If they're not, then they work as contractors. Right. Naturally. Okay. So, that's the same for us. Yeah. Like, so this is this is the whole thing here. I'm just going to read it straight so I don't miss anything. <laughs> and you can think about it if you need to for a minute. But it's um, in my personal life, I've seen a gap in how business owners, probably 55 and over, um, and then 
that age and younger see kind of the future of work. Um, so in general, I just wanted to know what your thoughts on the globalized workforce is and how it's going, because there's so many agency owners out here who want their, their ultimate goal is to build wealth, right? Mm-hmm. They want to make not, not just make money, but make a better future financially. And the work for, workforce, especially for this industry is just becoming more and more global. So it, it's becoming common for that to happen. I, I know a lot of business owners who were totally against it at first and at the beginning, and then either through talent shortages um, or through financial crises, um, ultimately came around and changed their mind and said, okay, um, we're not outsourcing for the sake necessarily of saving money or some of them are right. Even if not though, if it's a talent issue and they can't get the right people or they're just finding other better talent, um, overseas and, and just not in the country in which you operate, then the only, not the only, the structurally easiest way is to go the contractor route and then use some sort of intermediary, right? So for example, we use on top, but I wanted to know in general, your thoughts on this, how you think it's going to go into the future. If you think it's going to really shape more of this industry, especially, um, I'm not hundred percent clear what the question is. So is it, how do you see the future of work with remote workers globally, like for your team and then other companies too? I mean, I think I don't, I think it gets more that way than less. And personally, I don't care where somebody lives because I care about how good of a job they can do. It actually offends me how borderline racist some people are about working with contractors from, from other countries, the way they like make fun of people who send them guest post requests and stuff. I mean, I know that's annoying, but those people are just trying to make a living too. But anyway, like it's going to get more and more, in my opinion, this could be my future prediction that I got wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't see any reason why that wouldn't be more because first of all, you have access to, you know, seven, it's, there's what, three population in America is what, 400 million or something. And there's 8 billion people in the world. So that's like a hundred X the, the amount of t- talent you have access to. And most of it, especially in the kind of in- industries we're in, it doesn't matter where you are. So I don't see why it wouldn't continue to grow rather than to decrease. Having said that, it would be nice to have... I have literally one person that lives physically near me. Even my business partner lives in New York, which is, I live in South Carolina. So it's only like an hour flight, but you know, we've worked together for seven years. I've seen him three times. So like in person three times. So it would, them saying there, it, there are times it would be nice to have some people under the roof because you can't replace that sitting around the conference table, collaborating thing. Even Zoom, I don't think quite captures that, but I don't, I don't think the, I don't think that's invaluable enough to replace the things. It's not to say that regular office environments will go, go away because they won't, but it's they're going to be more glo- the talent is going to get more globalized and more remote. I think. Yeah, we we kind of we we kind of I was saying we kind of experienced that. <laughs> Shut up, Cody. Let me talk. Uh, we kind of experienced that with uh, with our remote. Well, we she's a contractor uh, in the legal sense of the word, but we we pay our um, overseas employees the the same team members. Team members. We. <laughs> Uh, a lawyer said we have to say that. Um, so we pay them the same that we pay our American uh, workers, depending on the position, whatever the position is. It's just the difference is, is you know, one has you know benefits that we can actually employ, and then the other one we just have to pay the wage. Yeah, and then they get the same liberties, like you know, the same holidays that we're off and things like that. Um, at least that's in Colombia. So they have like a million holidays. So I'm just like, sorry, you only get American holidays off, but um. Uh, we actually had, not to interrupt, but we had a pot, we had, the way we addressed that was we let people 
choose the specific holidays that were important to them. And then that, that was kind of how we did it. Cause I can't keep track of everybody's holidays either. Yeah. It's almost like the, it's almost like the floating holiday concept, but well, in some of these things we can't, we, we can't legally enforce. That's why they're contractors. Right. So they, even if you want to approach it in this way, in this way of considering them employee, there is ultimately some things that you just can't do. I think it's important that some people look into and read and find out what those things are. Otherwise you're going to go in and, and make mistakes that could be very expensive. So ultimately, for example, with um, holidays and stuff, we we have a week and then we say these are your hours for the week. Apart from scheduled meetings, move them freely. We don't really care, right? Um, and that's a way partially around that sort of issue. But if you do start experiencing problems with that sort of thing, then it, it does go back to a contractor relationship of, am I happy with how we're doing this? And what we're doing, we continue to work in a content capacity. But those things are important that people know that Again, just like you said, the technical details. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to comment on the on the uh, racism comment that you made because like we've had we said send out emails to all of our clients about Google Ads. They're like um, Google Ads is basically enforcing all advertisers to verify their business. So like submit articles of incorporation and and um, driver's license information like and and the likes. And I, I think like fifty percent of them took her email and forwarded it to me and said, "Is this legit?" <laughs> I was like. Yeah, like, I feel like they see the little accent above her last name, and they're just like, "This isn't real." Yeah, but it, you see that in Facebook groups a lot, like people making fun of that. It just it's always rubbing me the wrong way. I get why like those cold emails and stuff are annoying, but like just ignore them. Yeah, for me it's a little weird because I'm like, she's on she's on our website. Like, yeah. never listen. <laughs> but yeah. no, uh, actually, for our customer support people, we uh, we have them all create avatars, and that's part of the reason is because of people like that the other one is because i don't want them getting harassed outside of work but mm. so, mm-hmm. when i say harassed i don't mean harassed but like yeah. my order was late why like getting a facebook message with that kind of stuff i want them to be able to have like personal lives so yeah i remember a while back um do you know raven tools are you familiar with that not well but i know the name okay there this was many years ago at this point but um i'm not sure <clears throat> the founder or one of the founders but they pushed hard that Twitter, their Twitter handles, they had separate business and personal ones. Um, and it was for, you know, that sort of reason too. I mean, I remember the first time I got into this and got like a day job and had to do some sort of outreach and stuff. And you start to realize that, um, the, the blending of personal and professional life can become a a hard thing. And you got to learn to draw where, you know, where your lines are. Yeah. I regret, especially with Facebook, I regret not doing that early on because now I can't talk about anything I care about that might be slightly controversial. Which I don't really, I don't really have strong opinions on a lot of stuff, but you know, I can't ever talk about politics or religion or you know, anything like news because you know it might offend a customer and it's not worth it to make a Facebook post about f this particular politician or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, 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 my point to that story is I agree. I regret not having that separation. So cool. What uh, what are your goals for legit into the future? Our stated mission, like our great what's the expression big hairy whatever it is goal is to have every business on earth using our platform and so that's uh that's the big goal is we want to make it as pot what whatever you need to improve and run your business we want you to be able to just connect to us and it kind of grows out kind of like i took the inspiration from apple how they're how the uh originally it was going to be the mac was like the center of their kind of platform but eventually turned into icloud that's kind of how i view that is how that 
that's at the core. And then you have different software and freelancers and courses and everything you need in one under one roof to connect and to where it can benefit any business, whether it's a cheese shop or a uh, <laughs> digital marketing. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to start using the cheese shop example. <laughs> and it's just going to, it's just going to be a running joke and maybe we can get the whole world to start using it. Awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> so that's kind of the, that's kind of my goal with that. Sometimes people ask me, do you building towards an exit? And like, don't get me wrong. If the right person comes with the right ch- check, I'm not going to say yeah. that. We call that the yacht money check. Yeah, but that's not the specific goal. So I do. I built. I started Evergrow with the intention of it to be able to sell, but not with the intention to sell it. So like, it's that's why I didn't use my last name in it. It's why like I wanted an agency and not a freelance. Um, and I think that's a really important thing to do because mm-hmm. it's um, it's a lot harder to sell something with someone's name attached to it. Yeah, well, and the thing it's important to it's not to give you advice, but like it's more than I think to. Uh, Make sure that you have a product with your agency. If you're just selling the skill of doing it, it there's nothing really to sell, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. If you have like systems and employees and staff and things in place, then you actually have something you can sell. And I've talked about this with other agency owner, quote unquote, agency owners that are really just freelancers mm-hmm. that said they want to sell eventually too. Is like, if you're just selling the skill of you getting them results, you don't have anything to sell. Yeah, or a client list that has <laughs> they're all on contract. Okay, well then, like, what happens when that those contracts end? Yeah, so if selling is your goal, you need to make sure that you think that way early. And I agree with you on the name thing too. That's one of the reasons I didn't use my own name. So mm-hmm. funny story too. The reason I go by Chris M Walker instead of Chris Walker is because there was a one hit wonder in the '90s who had like a pop a pop star that had one hit named Chris Walker, and I can't beat him on a CEO because if you search Chris Walker, he absolutely dominates. So I, I outrank the, the major league baseball player, Jacob Hunley on, on, uh, Google. <laughs> so, I, I gave like, up my mind because he's, I guess it was like, like, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't like a number one hit, but it was like a top like 30 hit and yeah, can't compete with that. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris, if you, do you have a money goal? And if you do or don't, will you just keep going? Like, is there with that, when you're talking about the yacht money, would you call it quits? Would you just cash the check? go and do something else i make enough money now to live the life i want to live for as long as i want um and anybody who says they don't have a money goal is lying to some extent because like otherwise we'd we would do this for free but um having said that i said like i said i'm gonna be 45 in a couple weeks i don't really want to be out here doing youtube videos and podcasts and all that other stuff when i'm 50 so i would i'd like to have and i do have enough but i want to have that absolute fu money by the time i'm Mm. being able to at least step back if I so chose at that time. It doesn't mean I have to, but I don't want to be doing this. Again, no offense. I enjoy doing this stuff now. I don't want to be doing this sort of thing when I'm like 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Likewise. Well, I don't know. I say that, but I, because Cody go, he has a saying, Cody's saying is 2.5 in Vanguard and then he's out. <laughs> it's putting $2.5 million in Van, the Vanguard index. And uh, then, you know, then, then he's out. Then he doesn't have to do anything for the rest of his life. But I don't think Cody will stop there. And also, like, if I get to that position, too, of having that FU money, I don't think I'll stop either. I, I would like to think I will, but uh, I just feel like I'm going to keep doing something. I think the important distinction there is you no longer have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's because, I mean, not that I don't, not that I have to now, but I don't have enough money in investments and things like that where I could live. If I lived another 50 years, I'd be fine. I don't have that kind of money now. I can conceivably if I do an exit in the next two to three to five years and do have that kind of money. So 
that's kind of the rough time frame I'd like to uh, be able to retire if I so chose. Not retire because that's like the wrong word, but you know. Yeah, just change how you work. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so make work a thing that I also do rather than the thing that I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When someone says, what do you do for a living? You could just say live. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I actually have a hard time explaining what I do to people outside the industry as it is. I'm sure you do too. So Yeah, I just say I'm in marketing. I do internet marketing. That's usually what I say too, because it's it's too it's too hard to explain to like my mom, like my step my stepdad. I'd love him to death, but I think he thinks I fix computers for a living. <laughs> I told my I told my great grandma that she's a hundred. She turned a hundred last year, oh, wow. and so yeah, I know. So and she doesn't use a walker. She's like still walking like normal. But I, she asked me what I did, and I said um, I am an IT. I work on computers. And like that, I was like, I, there's no chance that I have ex- explaining what I do. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good problem to have, I guess. So <laughs> yeah. Could you, do you have another one? That's all I got. That's all you got. All right. That was it. <laughs> um, I, I had one other thing and then we can wrap it up. Um, we, we briefly glanced over this, uh, early on and you mentioned superstar SEO mm-hmm. and I wanted to know more about that because I think you had mentioned that that was like more of the, the agency side of what you do because you also have legit, but you also do it superstar SEO. Can yeah. you tell us about that? Sure. That was actually the first business was it's kind of like the catch all for my, well, first of all, let's talk about the name. Um, cause I know we talked about that in the regal. <laughs> the reason that for that name was I came up with that name was because I knew I was going to start a quote unquote SEO business. Originally it was just going to be a blog reviewing like services and affiliate and stuff. But anyway, I thought I was like, I got to have some sort of SEO business. What should I call it? And at the time I was a big professional wrestling fan. And for some reason they call wrestlers superstars rather than wrestlers. And I was like, all right, superstar SEO. That's all the thought that I put into this business that's generated. <laughs> the whole thing took me 30 seconds to almost 10 years ago to come up with. So anyway. Do you still like that name? Uh, for the, I don't like that it's SEO. I wish it had been like superstar marketing or branding or digital. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Cause that kind of pigeonholed me, but. I just yeah. superstar part I still like because it's mm-hmm. like unique to me and you know it's something that says quality you know it's yeah I don't really care for ever grow it's a play on the words it's a play on the words because we're in the landscaping industry so like <laughs> ever grow but like I I just kind of find that the name and the domain that was available and I settled on that and then I built such a brand for it I'm like well it's not changing now yeah yeah if I had to do over again I wouldn't have put SEO in the title but yeah but anyhow to answer your question that is the uh Basically, we sell SEO services. I actually sell as a freelancer on legit myself as a like a service. I try to lead from the front and do that. So we sell SEO services there. I have SEO clients. That's like my agency. We have a couple of softwares that we sell. And we don't really sell training right now, but we did for a long time. And then I do a little bit of consulting as well. So tech, legally, the consulting falls under the superstar SEO business. It's more of the, I hate referring myself as a brand, but it's more under the Chris M. Walker brand. That's that's mm-hmm. superstar SEO is my SEO business. So sometimes the line between the two gets murky. But mm. is superstar right. SEO ever like bleed into other services like PPC or anything, or do you just stick to SEO? Once in a while, uh, when I have like like I have a few clients locally. When I say local, I mean literally local in the sense that they live near me. Uh, mm-hmm. And for them, I tend to do more than I do for anybody else because as dumb as it sounds, I want to like invest in my community a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really good enough at PPC to be offering that 
That's kind of where I was before Cody came on board. Like I offered it, but like I knew I wasn't that good at it. But then like Cody is just a wizard. Yeah. I'm much better with like Facebook ads than I am with PPC. It's uh, a couple of times I have offered it. I end up regretting it because it's a lot harder than it looks, especially. (laughs) Well, I'm the other way around though. We get, I get into Facebook and I look around and I'm like, where am I? Why did this, this changed like two days ago? (laughs) Even when you do Facebook ads, you ask yourself that every two weeks because Facebook updates their UI and ads manager like every two weeks. We just went through an update last week. The problem I had with uh, like Google PPC was when, when I do it for local businesses was no matter how many like negative keywords I had, I was still showing in places other than where I am. And like, no matter how focused I made it around the local area and like my clients would complain about that constantly. Like I'm getting calls from Wisconsin and from California and like I'm doing my best. I don't know how to do this that well. Apparently I've done something wrong. <laughs> cool. Well, I think that's uh, pretty much everything we had. I know we're at the hour mark and don't want to eat up more of your time, but usually these episodes are, are about, you know, guest episodes are usually about an hour or so. Um, no, we've had a really great time talking with you, Chris. I really enjoyed um, getting your perspective on just kind of um, agency ownership and, and executing and, and freelancing services, especially using a legit platform. Um, is there uh, anything you would like to just kind of, um, you know, send our listeners off with regarding, um, you know, where they can find you or um, how they can uh, get started with legit or anything like that? Yeah, if you uh, legit is probably the best place to find me. So you can contact me through there. Uh, and, you know, if you are an agency and you need help with a fulfillment of anything that regard, there's somebody there that can help you. If you find it overwhelming, just message us and we'll help you find the right person. Conversely, if you offer those kinds of services and you want to make some extra money, you can list them there as well. We have big agencies that make a nice side income doing that as well. So you can do that as well. And you can find me there. And if you Google Chris M. Walker, you'll uh, you'll find me on Facebook, YouTube, all the socials, Twitter and stuff like that. I'm very responsive to messages, even though I made a post angry post about that the other day. (laughs) I I get, I, when I read that and I was like, I said, I, I get that too. I mean, it was, it was funny because you were saying something about it a few weeks ago. Uh, not quite to the extent that you did the other day, but I was like, yeah, I've got an insane number of friend requests and I have like 300 friend requests and then I sent it to you and you just sent me a screenshot back and you're like, mine's bigger. And it was a thousand. Yeah. And it caps out. At and so it's. Yeah. <laughs> so I was and, laughing. You know, I never take that for granted. I love that, you know, people are willing to like inter engage with me, but I'm a human being and there's only so many hours in the day. And Yeah. I, I do respond to people who message me and my spam messages. I check those like every day, yeah. but as soon as it's canned, um, or like it's, you know, I can tell that this is going to be a solicitation or just says, Hey, I don't respond to it. Neither do I. And then, you know, not to get, dig into this too much, but when I'm finding a lack of appreciation from the people I do reply to really irritates me. Like, uh, mm. there was somebody recently that they put, made a post and I asked kind of a question and they said, can somebody who knows how to do this DM me? It's like, for whatever reason, I was just sure I'll help this guy out. And I replied to him and gave him what I thought was a really nice answer. And he replied with a thumbs up. Hmm. <laughs> that's just hurtful i yeah. i i totally understand that i had someone reach out to me and he's like he's like i have so much questions about seo i'm like yeah sure man like i'm happy to talk and he's like okay specifically about e-commerce and i was like i'm gonna stop you right there because I'd, i've never said anything about doing anything with e-commerce or seo and um a little bit offended that like you like want to just reach out to me and get my take on something that I've never said I've done or that, you know, 
you know, you didn't do any research on me before asking the question. Um, you gave him the benefit of the doubt and I just said, sorry, man, like I don't, you know, we're not, we're not focused on e-commerce SEO. So I'm not probably your best resource for that. And, um, yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying there. Um, but yeah, Chris, well, it was, um, uh, great having you. Um, and then for the listener, just, uh, um, if you like this episode or any other episode, awesome. If you just give us a five star, well, I can't say that. Give us a rating. <laughs> <laughs> I can say it. Give them a five star rating. All right. Uh, there we go. <laughs> yes. Or a review on Apple, but otherwise everybody, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. See you. Bye.